0: Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured Channel.
1: You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is Episode 27, featuring the Top 5 High Concept Enterprise Episodes. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I am Jim Morehouse, and I am the host of the Trek Ranks podcast, and I could not be more excited tonight. It took us 27 full episodes, but we finally did it. Tonight, we're taking on our first ever Enterprise-specific topic, and I think tonight's going to be one of those special deep-cut kind of shows we're continuing our high-concept series with our top five high-concept Enterprise episodes. So way back in episode nine of Trek Ranks, we did our top five high-concept Voyager episodes. And for that episode, one of our guests did such an amazing job, I just had to have him back on. So Adam Hunault is joining us live right here from Sector 001 in the L.A. Quadrant. Adam, welcome back to the show, man.
2: Thank you for having me back. And it is always a pleasure to be invited back onto the Chris Farley show of Star Trek podcasts. And he
1: definitely means that as a compliment.
2: I do. It's like, remember that time, Jim, on Enterprise when there was a concept and it was like totally high? And that was awesome.
1: So awesome. I love Chris (laughs) Farley. Fantastic. And by the way, Adam was on one of our other best ever shows, or, or definitely one of our best topics, with our top five episodes you grew to love in episode 15, so that was that was a fun one as well. And also joining us tonight, making her Trek Ranks debut, is Jen Tift. Jen is coming to us straight from the Philadelphia Quadrant, and this is her first ever podcast appearance, and we could not be happier that it's happening here on Trek Ranks. Jen, so great to have you.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
1: Everybody who's listened to Trek Ranks will have heard Jen previously in our temporal causality loop because she submitted so many great selections for the show as EDAC Quarks, which is one of my favorite all-time twitter handles i love that so <laughs> thank you it's it's awesome having you here so jen as we'd like to do with our first time guests i know that your star trek knowledge is super amazing and i just want to ask kind of how you got into trek and what your uh, what your origin story was for uh for your trek fandom
0: Okay, well, I think it's similar to uh, a lot of Trek fans. Um, When I was young, I watched a lot of TV, I'll admit. And uh, there was a station that would play old TV shows. uh, So I'd watch Adam West Batman and Linda Carter Wonder Woman and Star Trek, the original series. And Star Trek was my favorite. Uh, So when I got wind of the fact that they were making a new Trek um, I was really excited about that, you know, excited for there to be a, a modern, you know, '80s Trek. You know, it was it was very appealing to me, so I made sure I was there uh, when Ac- Encounter at Farpoint aired, and pretty much right away, I realized that this was this was my thing. This is what I like. So since then, I've been, you know, a fan of tr- Trek in every incarnation, every series since since that, you know, since Encounter at Farpoint.
1: Yeah, I love that. So, so you were able, you watched every series since TNG as it was debuted on, live on air, right?
0: Yeah, as it aired. You know, every every series, uh, every incarnation, love it all.
1: That's great. That's actually, I think, more rare than uh, than people think. So, uh, all right, let's jump into our general order number one reset here at Trek Ranks which starts with the fact that we love Trek and we love to rank Trek via some deep dive topics to really just get the conversation started. And as the Vulcan master likes to remind us each week, the main driver for all of our discussions here at the Trek Ranks podcast is...
3: Infinite Diversity.
1: And
2: Infinite Combinations.
1: Our mantra here is no wrong answers at Trek Ranks. It's not about being right or definitive in any way. It's about sharing the things that we love about Star Trek. And it's definitely not about nitpicking the things that we don't like. So you won't find that here. So bottom line, we love all Trek here from TOS to TNG straight through to Enterprise and the Kelvin timeline and now Discovery. It's all fair game here on the Trek Ranks podcast. And a reminder that we use episodes as our shorthand, but the 13 films are totally in play as well. Unfortunately, not tonight, though, because Enterprise never never got a film. So let's power up the Argus Array so our listeners know exactly how they can message us.
3: Hailing frequencies are open.
1: You can check us out on the World Wide Web at trekranks.com and at the tricordertransmissions.com. And if you'd like to leave us a message with your own picks, you can do that at 609-512-LLAP at 609-512-5527. I'll give you that number again at the end of the show. You can also find the Tricorder Transmissions on Facebook. And for anybody out there enjoying all of our shows here at the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network, You might be interested in becoming a patron of our shows, which you can do at patreon.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions. And finally, you can reach me on Twitter at TrekRanks and also at Enterprise Extra. So hopefully we'll hear from you because this show is definitely better when we're hearing from you. So to wrap it up, Adam, would you like to tell everybody how they can get a hold of you? You can
2: find me on Twitter at at AdamUno. That's at A-D-A-M-H-U-N-A-U-L-T.
1: And I already said it, Jen, you're eat at Quarks. But tell everybody again, your awesome Twitter <laughs> handle.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can reach me at Twitter. Uh, I'm at eat at Quarks. And uh, please feel free to message me. I love talking Trek. And, you know, you'll find me after hours playing Tongo with Quark and my girl, Jadzia, at Quarks. So.
1: <laughs> I love that. It's one of my all-time favorite Twitter handles. Oh, thank you. For sure. And every time I every time I hear it, I think of julian or somebody in his quarters getting a, a mug out of the replicator with edac corks on it <laughs> fantastic
0: advertise you know frank you <laughs> like to advertise
1: <laughs> you, you gotta promote all right i think we're ready to, to activate our level one diagnostic
2: diagnostic cycle will be complete in 20 seconds
1: So this week's diagnostic cycle is a a pretty important one for us to define how everybody's going to look at high concept storytelling. So Adam and Jen, without getting into your specific prime directive at this point, when you hear something's high concept, what does that mean to you? And Adam, I'm wondering if you're going to do kind of the same thing you did during that Voyager episode, because that was great.
2: Yeah, I'm going to do pretty much the same thing. Uh, To me, high concept is there's a big idea at the center of it. Something like the inner light is a huge high concept episode. Uh, You know, Picard lives this entire other life through the magic of technology, whereas something like lessons is a much lower concept episode. You can do a million episodes where Picard falls in love and you can do each one of them differently. It's all about the execution. And that's what makes it low concept.
1: Yeah, I get it. And plus we're team boss here. Oh, yeah, of course.
0: Oh, speak for yourself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, Jen. All right, Jen, how about you? When you think of high concept, what the... How do you break it down?
0: Okay, so similar to what Adam said, uh, as something that's high concept uh, has has a, a real unique premise, you know, uh, that could, you know, that can be easily explained, like you said, um, just a couple sentences. But that unique premise permeates the entire work, and the entire work is about exploring whatever that concept is, Um and some examples of, of high-concept TV shows that I like. Uh, first, I thought I'd stick with the Enterprise theme and go with uh, Scott Bakula's show, Quantum Leap. Uh, was always one of my favorites. Perfect. Uh, that's high concept. Also, I love Mystery Science Theater 3000, uh, Brian Fuller's Pushing Daisies. Recent example, um, a current example, is uh, The Good Place. I don't want to get too much into why The Good Place is a high-concept show because it gives some things away. But I'll just say it takes place in the afterlife. And it's currently my favorite show besides Star, uh, Star Trek Discovery, of course.
1: <laughs> it's, it's the greatest forking show ever.
0: <laughs> it is the greatest forking show.
1: We love that show. <laughs> Do you watch The Good Place, Adam? I have not had the pleasure yet.
0: Yeah. The reason I wanted to bring up The Good Place is because it's completely different from Star Trek, but I think it shares the same uh, philosophy, the same ethos with Star Trek. So I, I think that if if you know there's a Star Trek fan who's in, in the market for a comedy, uh, they should check out The Good Place because I, I think chances are they, they'd enjoy it.
1: It really is, it in is the Star Trek ethos. That's brilliant. So yep. and it's totally high concept. So uh, for my end, I'm, I'm pretty similar to you guys. I'm a little different that I, I focused a little more on the narrative structure and the complexity of the storytelling. That's always one of the things for me that uh, combined with the, with the sci-fi, some kind of big sci-fi unique sci-fi conceit. So that's how I look at high concept. My, my main example is the like something like The Sixth Sense, which is one of my favorite films, and I find uh to be very original storytelling narrative, but also high concept in the in the conceit. Alright, so that should take care of our diagnostic cycle. So let's jump into our prime directive as we break down our first ever enterprise standalone topic.
3: I do not concur with your captain's decision.
2: She's following our prime directive.
3: Define prime directive
1: and i'm totally going to work bullshit into this show at some point as well. <laughs> you have to. That's awesome. <laughs> so, all right, Adam and Jen, so I'm curious about your prime directive. What was did you find this easy or hard? Were your lists long or short? Adam, uh how did you how did you make your final picks?
2: Well, um I will tell you, I had to work really hard for this episode. Enterprise is not necessarily the show that I go back to to rewatch the most. And there was a lot of it that I had not seen since 2002. So I rewatched more than 20 episodes. uh, Wow. Looking at possible candidates getting ready for this, because there were honestly some that I did not remember that well. And there was one that I watched last night that I had not seen since the day it aired, which has made it onto
1: my list in position number three. Oh, my God. I cannot wait. That's probably we do Trek Ranks. I, I am so <laughs> excited to hear what that episode is. And I can't believe you watched 20 episodes to prepare for Trek Ranks. That is some awesome homework. I'm glad you're <laughs> impressed. All right. Jen, how about you? How did you uh, – was your list long or short, easy, hard? Just curious how you broke it down.
0: Well, well similarly, I also thought that this would be a challenging topic uh, because Enterprise I – I don't really think of high concept when I think of Enterprise. Um, Voyager – Definitely, that's more their wheelhouse. Uh, but Enterprise is more, you know, character arcs and story arcs and action. And and it, so I thought it would be difficult from from the end that there wouldn't be a lot of options. Uh, but then when I actually started going through the episode lists, uh, you know, checking off, wait a minute, this, this is high concept, this one, you know, check, check, check. And it became difficult from the other end. You know, there are a lot more options than I was expecting. But uh, it turned out that the five episodes... I knew, I, I knew uh, from the beginning what they were going to be. Got it. But I, but it, it, I had a lot. I, I didn't think there would be a lot of secondary systems, but there were tons. <laughs> I, I tried to tried to uh, keep it into like what the best high concept was instead of what my favorite episodes were. So you know what I mean. So so it was more like the episodes that don't have an A plot and a B plot. It's just strictly about that. Concept, uh, so mostly standalone episodes, um, you know, but it's an enterprise, so it's hard to get away from the story arcs entirely. But, um, so I, I might have deviated from that a little bit, but that was what I was thinking.
1: Yeah, that's great. I have difficulty sometimes separating just the episode I love the most. It, it, right. right. So, <laughs> so, for me, I think I the enhanced special effects via CGI in comparison to other Trek series. It, it kind of lends itself for me to, I, or the I think to the series that it had some bigger kind of high concept stories that were based around right. things they could do that maybe you couldn't do in other shows. So I still think Voyager had the kind of the grandest scale in terms of high concept sci-fi, but I think Enterprise was was nipping at its heels in terms of high concept, which is why we're doing it second. So, so I went through all four seasons and put together a really long list of unique and what I feel like we're kind of, big epic stories and like i said they had a mix between kind of high concept big sci-fi conceits and also some unique storytelling narratives but it was tough to narrow down i was struggling up until i say that every week but but it's true every week so i'm gonna keep saying it so somehow though we came up with a list of five and a lot of secondary systems so I feel like this episode is going to be a lot of fun, and I have to say that with only four seasons of episodes to choose from, I think we just might have some duplicates today. Maybe. We'll see. Who knows? But if we do, make sure you listen for this sound. All right, let's do this third Roboticon. It's time for the order of things.
3: I am a Jemhadar, he is a Vorta. It is the order of things.
1: And just a quick reminder on how we're going to go through the order of things. First, each of us will reveal our five-word summary and a hashtag, which is our normal Trek rank staple here to kind of tease our pick. And then we'll reveal our episode title and talk about it. And at the end, hopefully we'll have some time for some secondary system selections for the picks that just missed our list. So... Adam, let's start with you. What's your number five pick for a high-concept enterprise episode? Okay, number five. Five words are, insignificant mistakes
2: have significant consequences. Hashtag, they're going to want a piece of our action. It's season two, episode eight, The Communicator.
1: Okay, I love this pick. By the way, this is on my secondary systems. Fantastic start. So the reason why I chose this episode is, is that they
2: took a joke from the end of a TOS episode and they turned it into a high concept for an entire episode of Enterprise. It is not a coincidence that the piece of equipment that they leave on the planet is not a scanner or a phase pistol and it is a communicator. They're definitely referencing a piece of the action. So, and I just love how, you know, they make this tiny mistake of leaving this thing behind and they've got to go try to fix this mistake. And everything just snowballs out of control from there. Like they cannot put the genie back in the bottle. And it comes to a point where, you know, they've lost more, they've lost not only communicators, but a lot of equipment. They're risking losing a shuttle pod. Archer and Reed are probably going to be executed. And, you know, they, they get out of it with their skins, but in the end to Paul points out, no, they did some serious damage, even if they recovered all of their equipment, just with, uh, you know, exposing themselves to the degree that they did to this 1930s kind of fascist on the verge of a world war planet.
1: I love this pick. It's so great. That's exactly why it was on my secondary system. It's one of my late cuts. The fact that they go back and search for it just make it worse and worse and worse. And I love when they scan them and realize they're aliens, and or they they, they think they're uh, they think they're mutated people from the other faction. Right. So. Really, really high concept all the way through. Jen, what was your take on the communicator?
0: Yeah, I love this episode. Uh, I, I like you said. I love how they take you know just the one simple mistake of losing the uh, the communicator and and you know just snowballs and snowballs and snowballs, and it makes me wonder if uh, you know maybe there's going to be some kind of protocol put in place because because of this
2: i I imagine i imagine that spock and and kirk and bones right after they finished having a laugh about bones's lost communicator they just like pressed a
1: button and it just blew the communicator up (laughs) and great callback to a piece of the action i uh that that's a, a great layer to uh to that story all right jen how about you what's your number five pick
0: Okay, my number five pick, five words in a hashtag. Your inquiry was not recognized. Hashtag brain power. It's season two, episode four, dead stop.
1: Yes, great, great five words. Thank
0: you. Roxanne Dawson. It, I know, isn't that amazing? Yes. <laughs> she, she directed this and she was the voice of the computer.
1: The analysis of your vessel is complete select a method of compensation to begin the repair process
3: who am i speaking with
2: your inquiry was not recognized
3: is there someone here i can speak with
2: your inquiry was not recognized
3: i don't think there's anyone back there perhaps the station's automated are you saying you can repair all our systems
1: Select a method of compensation to begin the repair process.
0: So I love this episode. I love I love the idea of of this you know this automated station that can just fix anything really fast and really cheap <laughs> on the surface really cheap. You know they found out there was a big cost. I love that uh, you don't you don't know what the what's wrong. You know something's wrong, but you don't know what, and you kind of go along with the characters as they. You know, try to figure it out too. I love that Archer's suspicious right away, and I I love that. But I love that Trip is interested just from
1: just wants to eat, He just wants to eat cafeteria. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he, he loves that replicator, but he's interested just from an engineering standpoint. Of you know, th- how do they run this whole ship? Uh, the only room we haven't we're not allowed in is you know is a really tiny room. They ne- need like a big suit room for a supercomputer, and he goes off on an ad, you know exploring, <laughs> you know, to try to try to. Uh, you know, figure out just how it works from an engineering's perspective, and then it snowballs in from there till they discover the, uh, the horrifying brain, uh, you know, linked brain supercomputer, <laughs> which is also just an interesting concept.
1: Yeah, we we just uh, here's here's your payment. Oh, and we just need one of your comatose uh, right. crew members to help power our station. Uh, right, no big, deal. no big deal. I, I love the scene where they are trying to break into the thing, and it yes. beams them like straight into the bridge in front of Archer, and they're just <laughs> and so Paul, uh, so
0: Paul just gives them this look real. like what what the hell are you doing? <laughs> It's, it's such a great. <laughs> and Archer gets so mad. He's like, you know, you you were lucky you didn't get beamed into outer space. But then in the next breath, he's like, he's like, did you see anything interesting? <laughs> <You know>? Right. <laughs> did you find
1: it? How about you, Adam? What's your take on this one? Oh yeah, I love this one. Uh, this
2: isn't one of the ones I rewatched actually. So it's been a little while since I've seen it. But I I remember. Just the look of it being so great. I remember really yes. enjoying how it continues out of uh, Minefield. Yeah. Yep. Uh, one yes. of like one of the first moments of a really direct continuity in in Enterprise. Yeah, I mean, I think this this episode definitely teaches us that if someone's fixing your car and is not overcharging
1: <laughs> you, you should be very suspicious. <laughs> uh, the amazing yeah. amazing production design on it. that's Glad you brought that up. All right. So my number five pick, my five words and a hashtag is tone setting prime directive quest begins. Hashtag. I love the mank. And my episode, of course, is season one, episode 13. Dear doctor. It's my number 15 episode at Trek ranks. It's an amazing episode. It's obviously the one where where Flocks is dealing with the conundrum of trying to help two humanoid species that are evolving at the same time on a planet, which I think is an awesome, super cool, high concept sci-fi conceit. And I love, I love this episode. I love the, I love the slow pacing. I love the performances. I feel like it's got kind of a, a double edged sword. So it's got the first dilemma with the prime directive of the Valakians asking for warp drive, but, Archer's realizing that we can't really do that. And and then this second point where they realize in trying to provide medical help that they're actually going to change the course of the planet's natural evolution and what their conundrum is. I, I, it's one of my all-time favorite episodes, clearly. And you said it before about the, the Prime Directive. I love the quote from Archer at the end. It's a little on the nose, but I think it totally works. Someday my people are going to create some kind of doctrine but until they write that directive, got to figure it out on our own. So, one of my favorite episodes, Jen. What's your take on uh, Dear Doctor?
0: Oh, absolutely. This is one of my favorite episodes too. Um, I, I didn't consider it from a high concept place, but now I kind of see how it is with the two species um, evolving on the same planet. I, I really enjoy how the flocks, you know, writing a letter to his to Doctor Lucas. I, I really enjoy that. Oh, yes. Um, that method of, of communicating the story, um, which kind of adds a little gravitas, kind of like he's confessing because, and then another thing I like about this episode is, is, did they do the right thing?
1: Right. We don't know.
0: You know, like that's one of the things I love the most about Trek is sometimes you, you can see both sides and it's just, there's no great answer. And, (laughs) you know, both actions have, you know, are bad options and both, both options are good options, both, you know, and it's just, yep. ugh, and that's why, it,
1: that's why I labeled this as, as high, as high concept. Cause I, right. I really like the, I, I really like the sci-fi conceit of two yeah. sentient uh, species evolving at kind of right. different levels. That, that's really clever.
2: How about you, Adam? Uh, Dear doctor is probably one of my top five episodes of enterprise overall. I also didn't consider it. I, I actually, I did consider it for a second for this list. And I was watching it and I decided it wasn't necessarily high concept. It was kind of more of like data's day for flocks.
0: Oh yeah. Um,
2: yeah. Right, right. Uh, conundrum. The conundrum itself is very high concept, but it's a very small part of the episode, but there's so much I like about the episode, not just the flocks and Archer stuff, but the, uh, the stuff with Flox and from
1: yes, is Kelly yeah. was great, so. quite enjoyable. Yeah, this is a good episode to define kind of the way I look at high concept because I really do look at the c- complex narrative combined with the some level of sci-fi conceit mm-hmm. that's unique or original or kind of grand. So. This is one of two that
2: I really wanted to shoehorn into this episode and talk about, and I just couldn't, I just didn't feel <laughs> yeah. like I could justify it.
1: So and I was the opposite. Thanks for picking it. I was trying to keep it off my list, but I just, at the end, I was like, nope, I'm, I'm doing it. All right, let's move to round four. What were we going to say?
0: I was going to say it was funny because I had a couple I really wanted to shoehorn onto this list too, but I just couldn't <laughs> I <know>. do it.
1: <laughs> Hooray for secondary systems. All right. Let's go to round four, Adam. What's your number four high concept enterprise episode? Okay, my five words are no
2: human rights for aliens hashtag even Porthos has a name. It is season two episode twenty two cogenitor. Yes so uh, I picked this one um, you know, for all of the obvious reasons it's it's such a an excellent uh, early Prime Directive, proto-Prime Directive episode. Um, you know, they've decided from Dear Doctor and others, uh, other episodes like it that they shouldn't get involved with other cultures. And, uh, you know, Trip sees the situation where this uh, uh, third gender, this co is not allowed to have a name, not allowed to read, not allowed to have a life. And bizarrely, nobody else seems to see it. Everyone else just loves the Visians And Flox and and T'Pol are even suggesting that Trip is just hung up about the fact that they have three genders, which is completely off base. Um, so, you know, he teaches her to read and the whole thing just goes south when she wants to stay on Enterprise and Archer eventually decides that he's going to hand her back and she kills herself. So, I mean, it's a great episode. Uh, the reason why I've only put it in at, number four on the list is I feel like the ending could have been better. I feel like they set it—they up a very interesting circumstance and then just gave us a very orthodox Star Trek ending of, you know, don't mess around with other people's cultures. But I feel like Trip actually has a point here. I mean, the Visians are not a pre-warp civilization. They're more advanced than the humans. And, really, I mean, I think there's a situation, there's, there comes a point where the prime directive does go so far with interfering. But at a certain point, you do have to say, you know, look, if you want to run your society like The Handmaid's Tale, I'm not going to stop you, but we can't be friends. And, you know, it's Archer makes a point that the cogenitor didn't ask Trip to teach it how to read. And that's true, but it was awfully eager to learn once it understood you know, once that idea kind of penetrated the the cultural programming it had been given,
1: Yeah, it's a tough one because it, of course, all the points you make are are right, of course, but then the flip side of-
2: and I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like when Archer is chewing trip out at the end that you know he's taking everything out on trip and saying, "Trip, this was your fault," but he's also probably blaming himself because he was the one who decided to hand her back.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's part of it as well. But it's tough because this is another one. Where there's no, there's no right or wrong answer. You see what the it's obviously not as simple as trip solution mm-hmm. because cause that's that didn't work. So Jen, what's your what's your take on this?
0: I I love this episode. It's on my secondary systems. I'm totally on team trip. Um, I I, f- I mean, obviously the way he went about it, sneaking around, obviously wasn't going to turn out right, but. You know, w- once the cojanitor asks for asylum, I, d- I don't see how in the world Archer could have gen- denied yeah. deny that. Um, th- th- this episode really resonates because I think it's one of the most um, most applicable to stuff that's going on today. And this the the Visians—they're the Visians, right? Yeah, the, the yeah. Visians uh, say you don't know anything about our culture. You, you you don't have the right to say, which is an argument that. Some some people use today to, to say like well you kind of have to be tolerant of my intolerance which is right. utter uh, bullshit <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. We, Bull we got it in there. it's total bullshit <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> but uh, you know and, and and I just I just think that just I'm sorry that's not the right answer that's I understand that 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 these are different cultures but once your once your culture is you know subjugating people. It ends there.
3: I might have expected something like this from a first year recruit. But not you. You did exactly what I'd do? If that's true, then I've done a pretty lousy job setting an example around here. You're a senior officer on this ship, you're privy to the moral challenges I've had to face. You know I've wrestled with the fine line between doing what I think is right and interfering with other species. So don't tell me you know what I would have done when I don't even know what I would have done. I didn't think it would hurt to teach her how to read. Then you didn't think hard enough. We're out here to meet new species, not tell them what to do. Teaching her to read is no different than you giving them books or movies.
2: Giving them books is a lot different than
3: suggesting they defy their culture.
2: Well, and I think they do such a great job making the Vissians interesting or or very sympathetic in other ways. Like they love to explore and they're open and they're nice and they want to share their technology with us. And they like Shakespeare, which is always a good thing on Star Trek. (laughs) That's right.
0: And I love those scenes. I love those scenes with Archer and the The captain captain i i guess um Mm -hmm. when when they're flying and and archers they have such a a great natural rapport and it's going so well you know finally a first contact is going so well for archer and and uh and you're right that like everything else about them seems like they're they're a good fit to be friend friends with with the humans and it's just
1: yeah this is uh this is a it's deep tough. deep heavy topic and, Ugh, and of course we're, we're all team trip on this it's just a matter yeah. of that outcome is just so heartbreaking and Ugh, obviously it is no, no easy solutions and uh i i love archer's uh first contact with with tomalock so yes yeah. <laughs> uh okay <laughs> yes yeah oh uh, uh, uh yeah that's a little like can never say his name, but
2: yeah. An- Andreas Catulus, maybe, uh, yeah,
1: Catulus, something like that, yeah. 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 Okay, we're gonna edit that out because we don't know how to say his name. <laughs> no, we're not. We're leaving it in. Okay, <laughs> Jen, what's your uh, what's your number four pick?
0: Okay, oh, my number four pick. Okay, Archer and Daniels' excellent adventure hashtag Time Enough at Last. It's season Ooh. two, episode one, Shockwave Part Two.
1: Oh, Shockwave part, part two. two. Yes. I like the designation.
0: Just part two because uh, only part two is, is where the high concept comes in. And the, the, what I consider high concept in this is uh, the part of Archer and Daniels being trapped in this post-ap- post-apocalyptic post 31st century debris field. You know, <laughs> And I, I love this for several reasons. Um, first, I, I'm just a sucker for Last Man on Earth sci-fi in general like you've, you've got me like that's just very interesting yeah. to me um and they're here they're in the 31st century the world you know the timeline has they as they know has been destroyed they've got no electricity no time ports or whatever daniel uses you know and i love that what they do have is a library and the library in
1: a, in a- and a copper spoon,
0: and, and a copper <laughs> spoon for some reason that Archer, yeah. you know, bang the copper off so they can Daniel's can use it. Yeah. MacGy- so that he can Mac- MacGyver this communicator. Um, yeah, I love. I was going to say I love the design of the library. I think it's it's just beautiful, and, and I love the sur- You know, Daniel's surprise that there's actually books. You know, and his timeline would have been all on data rods or whatever it is. So I love I love the look of the, the 31st century no federation landscape but i also like about this episode is how they work together with the people that are in the 22nd century to bring archer back and they have this really intricate plot of like sneaking into daniel's quarters and and tricking silicon to activating this device and and everyone has their little part kind of like a like a little oceans 11 you know scenario of everybody working together to to get Archer back because one of the fun things about this concept to me is, is how in the world are they going to get back? How are they going to get out of this? You know, it feels like the writers wrote themselves into a corner, but it worked out. I love it.
1: It's pretty, it's pretty clever how they, uh, how they, how they get it back. And when Archer punches Silicon <laughs> in the face, it's, uh, it's,
0: it's pretty it's, satisfying. It's worth the pay he like jumps out of the, <laughs> yeah. you know, the little yeah. plasma tube. It's, in, a, it's, yeah. a,
1: it's a great moment. <laughs>
0: I've tried to reach you. I've tried
3: for two days. I did what you told me, but Archer wasn't on Enterprise. There was some kind of temporal signature. I need instructions. I don't know how to operate this device. I need your help. I hear you, but I don't understand. Repeat what you said. Please, repeat what you said. <clears throat> i said you're
1: an ugly bastard adam how about your take on shockwave 2 yeah Park i two. love
2: i love the moment when he jumps out of the future guys uh yeah yeah uh, column of <laughs> light and and Punch him. one of the i've never been able to get past the gazelle speech <laughs> in this episode that uh <laughs> yeah that Archer just come on. it's, it's fantastic. just fantastic if it's if you awesome. ever if you ever do a top five cringeworthy moments, I think no. it will be my number one.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I think that the whole end scene, everybody's speech is kind of cringy, you know, because Trip like yells at them, <laughs> you know, and and you know, and Archie gives his gazelle speech, which is I agree is cringeworthy, and then and then to pause is, is kind of schmaltzy. First of and, all, <laughs> the whole scene is too much.
1: First of all, we're never gonna do we're never gonna do that topic on Trek Ranks, and of secondly, and secondly, <laughs> when the Chris we Chris Farley show, and secondly, when we do top five speeches, I'm gonna pick it just to spite you. Oh. <laughs> you wouldn't. All right, <laughs> let's go. Top
0: five speeches is a good topic though.
1: It's that's that's on the long list. It's definitely on the long list. All right, let's go to my round four pick, and we have a duplicate, and. I'll just give my five words and a hashtag mysterious space station helps enterprise hashtag TOS trilogy reincarnated. So the one thing I'll add to our previous discussion of dead stop from season two of enterprise, one of my favorite things about this episode, it's not, not part of the high con high concept conceit is this episode more than any other feels like we've, reincarnated the TOS trilogy of Kirk, Spock and McCoy, the way oh, Archer to Paul, and trip are interacting and yeah. working this. I love this feeling of the enterprise trilogy. I just remember the first time I saw it, I was like, wow, it really mm-hmm. feels like they've nailed that kind of, dynamic it's one of my favorite things about that episode in addition to uh mayweather dying but not dying and then being in a <laughs> coma and hooked up to some crazy machine so <laughs> all right <laughs> dead stop is our first duplicate so let's move on to round three and adam what's your number three pick here in the super round okay well my soup round
2: pick is the one that uh made it into onto my list after i watched it last night yes uh, the five words are lab mice school the scientists. Hashtag someone always dies. Oh, it's season four, episode eleven. Observer effect. Observer I effect. It. I love this pick. So my, I mean, I saw this when I back when I was watching season four on the first run. I don't think I was very impressed with it. I sort of thought of it as you know one of the bottle shows for that year, so they could do the big trilogy arcs. And watching it last night, I was just blown away. It kind of has two competing high concepts. It's got, uh, you know, this mysterious disease has infected uh trip and Hoshi uh, and they're racing to find a cure for it. And then at the same time, two organians have uh, come to enterprise and they're inhabiting a number of people, but mainly Reed and Travis and they're, you know, you get the sense that they come to this planet quite often just to see how different humanoids react to this virus, which inevitably, you know, kills sometimes all of them, sometimes a few of them. Um, we know the Klingons just blew up their landing party. Um, yep. So, yeah, just great concepts, just very, very interesting scenes. The scene at the beginning where the two observers are playing chess as as Malcolm and Travis is just a great way to open an episode. And uh, yeah, we learned some great stuff about Hoshi's backstory. We learned that she's apparently security officer's worst nightmare, and that she can reprobate yep <laughs> uh, yeah, that she runs that she runs poker games on one hand, and then also she can uh, she can override all of enterprise's security systems quite easily because of her understanding of languages and patterns. And then it
0: Yeah, she says math math is just another language, she says. I love that line. Love
2: it. And then it comes down to this moment at the end where Archer is basically telling the Organians all the reasons why what they're doing is is wrong. And even though they're not directly responsible, they still have a responsibility and and sways them and they solve the problem for them. Although they do erase their memories of the entire thing.
1: This episode
2: This episode has it has hardly any special effects in it, and it just shows what you can do with just actors delivering wonderful lines in, uh,
1: you know, in standing sets. Agreed. For me, this is, this episode was just pure, unpredictable joy. I, just, I I've said this before, but the first time I watched this episode, the smile on my face when they revealed the, organia connection at the end i mean i literally was just i was filled with joy because i love "Aaron of mercy is one of my favorite episodes i thought it was a perfect connection tribute however you want to say it the way they connected this to to that to the organians who i have loved since i was a little kid i love this episode the script is amazing and yeah it's it's an awesome pick awesome awesome pick how about you Jen what do you, what's your take?
0: Oh I agree I love observer effect I, I, I one of the things that Enterprise did really well was was throw in a little bit of those those little nods to other pieces of trek lore like that there, you know when I think back on it there's a lot of those and you you know really lovingly thrown in so so that, that was nice to see I liked uh, like Adam was saying about the actors one of the, one of the things that stood out to me with this was no matter whose bodies they were inhabiting. You could tell who was the the new the you know the seasoned observer and the new observer, you know just by the way they were acting and, right. and I think everyone did such a wonderful job yeah. with that the one thing th- this is on my secondary system, so what kept it off my list is the something that bothers me a little bit about Trek sometimes is the the human exceptionalism you know like they've been observing this for you know, what it was, 800 years and, but the humans were so different that they decided
1: to. I'm picking this speech too, then just to spite you. Another <laughs> no. great I, I have to admit, it, I, I
2: roll my eyes at that a little bit too, but it's, but you know, I, I think for Star Trek, it is baked in, right? Like it is part of Star Trek.
3: I understand why you won't get involved with a species, natural development. I faced that decision myself. It isn't an easy one to make. Then we agree. No, we don't. Our encounter with the virus was an accident, one that you could have prevented. Then how would we ever learn about you? Ask us. Talk to us. Just like you're doing now.
1: Talking is a limited form of communication for us. We're much more advanced than humans. Not
3: from where I'm standing. Maybe... You've evolved into beings with abilities I can't comprehend, but you've paid a hell of a price. You've lost compassion and empathy, things that give life meaning. If that's what it takes to be advanced, I don't want any part of it.
0: It is nice that one of human qualities is compassion. That's that's what got to to them was the compassion and that that's not, that's a nice thing <laughs> but i I don't think we'd be the only species in eight hundred years, <laughs> but that's just me
1: <laughs> well 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 then you'd be
2: wrong Jen. all right <laughs> I, what's your... I I think back to a line that Soval said in uh in the Vulcan trilogy at some point and he says he says something like he, he's talking about human qualities, and Tripp says, well surely other species have those qualities and Soval says yes, but not in such. Actually, he might be saying this to Forrest. I forget. He says not in such confounding abundance or
1: something like that. I, I don't remember. I don't remember those three episodes at all. <laughs> so okay, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're pretty forgettable overall. You know? All right, Jen. Let's hear your soup round pick. What's your number three choice?
0: Okay, my 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 soup round pick. Paranoid denobulins shouldn't have phasers. Hashtag things that go bump in the expanse. Wow. It's season three, episode 16, Doctor's Orders.
1: Okay.
0: This, this is a deeper cut, I admit. This is, <laughs> this is the one where every member of the crew has to be put into a, a, a coma yep. uh, to survive going through an anomaly, uh, except for Phlox and T'Pol maybe is left and you know Fox is left to run the entire ship by himself and this is more of a this is t- to me th- this one stands out as more like a psychological you know thriller like it's just it's all about the mood the atmosphere and how the paranoia just gets worse and worse and worse uh, I think I'm drawn to it because it's another like I said the la- it's kind of another last man on earth scenario you're alone in this creepy, you know, industrial space, and and uh, and John Billingsley's performance is just, you know, is always stuck out. He does such a good yeah. job of of scaring himself. You know, we get to see, we get right. to hear about. Um, he, he writes to Doctor Lucas again, which I really like. Oh, that's it, right. And, yeah, and and it's funny because he just, you know, once we get to the end, and he he uh, he, he says, well, you know, a lot of what I wrote to you was basically my paranoid delusions but i'm gonna leave him in (laughs) because he might enjoy reading about it you know (laughs) which i I love that you know add that to their their uh their relationship super creepy i'm kind of scaredy cat (laughs) you know what i mean so so i really like i would jump right along with with blocks you know at all these moments and uh and i'm sorry the insect the insectoid Zindy it is is scary to me <laughs> like,
1: it's definitely a keep you guessing episode and yeah, that, that yeah. is a great scene where with, with the insectoids coming yeah, on the board
0: no uh, that's a, yeah.
1: i hadn't considered this one it's a i mean it's definitely a high concept L- love it and we get to see naked yeah, fox
0: yeah, oh. yes with with the ridges on his back and everything right. <laughs> and-
1: <laughs> so that's that's a plus i mean come on uh, and so what's love- What's your take?
0: Depending on how you look at it,
1: I guess. Yeah, fair enough.
2: <laughs> um yeah, I, I guess I this is one I don't really remember that well. I I remember it slightly. It's not one of the standouts of season 3 for me, but maybe I just need to rewatch it.
0: I uh yeah, I can see it's kind of, you know, if, like I said if you're not a scaredy cat, it might not stick out to you. <laughs> for me, like I've actually I've actually been in for my job, I've been in an industrial space like that by myself in like this dark creepy you know, with machinery and, and, and he really, really captured that feeling of just like, you know, I didn't start, I didn't get delusional, but, but every little noise you hear, you know, you think you see something out of the corner of your eye and, you know, and it's, 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 uh, he captured what it's like.
1: (laughs) That's what it captures for sure. For sure. All right. So for my soup brown pick, my number three pick, we've got, Another duplicate. So we don't need to go into too much detail here, but we just picked it a little while earlier from Adam. My five words of the hashtag jaw dropping TOS connection revealed hashtag errand of awesomeness. <laughs> I love the observer. Uh, I love observer effect. Number eight for me at Trek ranks. And we already kind of went through it, but uh, I will add this is a Judith and Garfield Reeves, Stevens script. And I think the way they, this restate the way they connect it to TOS and the Organians is just way too much fun. I don't believe it. I was sure I would be the only
2: one to pick this.
1: I love this episode. It's top 10 on my Enterprise list. So it's always been one of my favorites since the, since the beginning. It's a good one. Lots of duplicates so far, I guess, uh, just for me. So let's move to round two. Adam, what's your number two pick? Okay. Well, my number two pick, five words are
2: tiny parasites with huge consequences. Yes. Hashtag feels like a shuttle pod landed on my head. Uh, it's Season three, episode eight, Twilight. Love it. So this episode obviously has a huge high concept, time travel, alternate future, reset button thing going on. And, you know, at first you might think, well, you know, we've seen this on Voyager a a thousand times before, but the thing about this episode that made it just really stand out for me is the effect that it had on the entire season going forward after that, because you know that they don't remember that this happened, but you remember that it happened, which means that you know something they don't, which is that every single thing in this mission now depends on Archer. Like, the rest of the crew together is not going to get it done. They're not going to save Earth from the Zindi, and if they can't save Earth from the Zindi, then they can't save the entire galaxy from the sphere builders. So, it's just this massive responsibility that all is depending on Archer and he doesn't know it. Yeah. So for me, this took, you know, the Zindi arc before this, I was like, yeah, okay, they got to save earth. They'll probably do it. But the suspense, just anytime Archer was in danger after this just was intense.
0: I I
1: love the way you frame that. That is such a great point. And this was just on my secondary systems pick. I really wanted to pick it because it's, obviously a brilliant concept and I think it's number three on my Trek ranks episode. So it's all time, classic, classic episode. And the, the reset on this with the parasite is actually really pretty brilliant. It's when they, when they revealed that I was like, it just made a lot more sense than And I love year of hell, but it made a lot more sense than just driving the ship into the, into Anarax's time ship. I, yeah. I, I love that twist. Jen, how about you? What's your take on Twilight?
0: Yeah, Twilight's on my secondary systems as well. I love it. I, I like. I really, really like the solution of these time parasites. That if you destroy them, you know, in one time, you know, period, they, they'll be destroyed in all. And that's, like you said, that that's such a unique way of uh, of resetting the timeline. I, I I like that we get to see what would have happened if the Zindi won. You know, like we get to see that. So we know what's like, like Adam said, what's at stake. The reason yeah. this, the state on my secondary systems is because it's just too sad for, uh, from a, pr- from a character <laughs> perspective. Ah, uh, for Archer and to Paul to end up like that, like I just Archer's fifty-first dates <laughs> with to Paul, and 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 just to, just to see him being wasted and her wasting her entire life because she's guilty, and it's just oh it, yeah, it's just it's too much sadness. Oh, so for me. sad. Uh, but it's a great episode, and it's it's definitely a, a wonderful high concept.
2: It's brilliant. Jen mentioned earlier with the Organians, the little. Uh, mentions of things from earlier Trek that are dropped Mm -hmm. in, so I have to point out City Alpha 5
0: Yeah, absolutely brilliant.
2: The irony is just so thick you could cut it because you know that even if the Zindi don't
1: find them here, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: they're
1: doomed. Yep, yep. That's a great layer, for sure. Awesome. All right, Jen, what's your uh, round two pick?
0: Okay, my round two pick. Desperate deceptions for desperate times. Hashtag eternal sunshine of the Zindi mind. This is Ooh. season three, episode fourteen, Stratagem.
1: I mm-hmm. had a feeling it was I Stratagem. Love stratagem. I, love I love that.
2: Love that five words. Your Thank mission, you. Captain Archer, should you choose to accept it. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> mission Impossible with uh, Captain Archer, but um, but yeah. So this is the one where Archer, you know, has the ability to erase Degra's short-term memory and takes advantage of that and concocts this elaborate alternate reality for him to try to trick him into telling him the location of the Zindi weapon. What I really, I re, what I really like about this episode, what makes it stand out to me, is that it's kind of a, a role reversal uh, from other Trek episodes of Trek. In any other Trek series, our hero would be in Dagra's position. You know, the the bad guy would be trying to get right. information out of them, and they'd have to just figure out what's real and what's not. So seeing it from the opposite side, you know, Archer and the whole entire crew <laughs> developing this elaborate deception, you know, shaking the shuttle pod and the pretend shuttle pod and everything. And and the blood worms. And, and it's it's something that you wouldn't normally see a Star Trek crew do. So that made it interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The epic cat and mouse in this episode is so great. And I, I love yes. the, 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 the double twist at the end where they, where they where they fake him out that he thinks they've yeah. made it to the planet. It's it was definitely on my secondary systems. And
0: Archer Archer is such a good liar. <laughs> I mean we see this we see this a lot throughout the series, but especially here, I I can't imagine any other captains being able to keep that up for so long. And especially at the end, you know, when he when he, he realizes he's got him. It, like you said, you know, the cat and mouse and that at the end and he, he gets this grin on his face, you know. <laughs>
1: like, I've got you. That is a great, great observation. Archer oh, is. is. Great. He
0: does it with such a ease you know
1: yeah you wouldn't think he'd be good at it but he kind of yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's a it's a it's a great point all right finish up round two my uh my number two pick is this is this is a classic my five words and a hashtag you made a damn good father hashtag and you were a damn good son it is similar to season three episode 10 It's my Uh, top three at, at Trek ranks and it clone your engineer to, to save said engineer and the human race. That is about as high concept as it gets. I love it. It's one of, I mean, it's literally one of the best episodes of Star Trek ever in my book. And I like the structure where, again, my narrative prime directive, where it starts with trips, death and Mm -hmm. you're trying to figure out uh, where you think it's trips, death, but it's, but it turns out it's SIM. So, Really clever and and the sci-fi conceit of a Lysarian desert larvae (laughs) to uh, grow a a clone. I love this episode, and it it leaves – I'm just a mess every time I listen to it because I am always in tears. So, Adam, what's your take on Similitude? Uh,
2: Yeah, this one was definitely on my secondary systems, and I left it off because I was – quite confident that one of you would (laughs) would pick it up for me so yeah i love this episode um i just rewatched it a few days ago even though it was one that i really didn't need to watch again to refresh my memory uh but i just wanted to uh yeah just amazing episode so much revealed about trip's character through sim an excellent child actor playing the the young trip for sure all of them yeah which is uh always wonderful on Star Trek because they're not always so good. Um, nope. I don't know if the person who played the maybe about 20 year old trip, who's only in one scene, if that was like Connor Trenier's cousin or brother or something, but that was amazing casting for just one scene.
1: Yeah. None of the actors were related, but the, their continuity between the, the three or four of them was incredible.
2: I just love on this episode how the situation is just getting worse and worse for Archer you know, we're in the, we're in kind of the part of, of the Zindi arc where, you know, things are not going well, you know, for sure. Like they have not accomplished very much and they're stuck, you know, with this stuff building up on their hull that's going to kill them all. And, you know, he's initially given this choice of like, oh, you can make this clone. And he's like, well, that doesn't sound very good, but it is you know, we don't have to hurt it. We don't have to kill it or anything. We just have to make it. And that's a bit weird, but in the situation I'll do it. And then things just keep going wrong. And it's like, Oh, actually we do have to kill it.
1: (laughs) Oh, that was so brutal. Yeah.
2: It's, it's such a brutal episode for Archer. And at the end, when
1: he's saying to Sim, like I need trip trip. Yep. Uh, Such a great moment. Amazing episode. Jen, what, yep. Jen, what's your take on Civilization?
0: Yeah, I, I think we'll be talking about this one again. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's that good. Yeah. It's that yep. good. All right. Let's jump to round one. And Adam, what's your number one high concept enterprise episode?
2: Okay. Well, for my number one pick, I decided that I'm going to cheat big time.
1: I so, love cheating.
2: So my uh, five words are, Attack spheres, time travel, madness, and the hashtag is "We'll do what we have to, trip whatever it takes." And my pick is the
1: Zindi arc. Okay, I'm not just going that's, with one episode here. I'm not that's quite. That is quite a cheat, <laughs> but hey, it results in more Star Trek. That's great. You know,
2: so I, I'm not including every single episode in season three in this pick. It's really the high concept is all kind of carried in just a couple of episodes. Uh, but there wasn't just one I could point to that included it all. And I just had to point it out. So we've got this attack on Earth. We've got sphere builders who are transforming the galaxy into something that they can live in. We've got the conflict between the sphere builders and the 26th century Federation. We've got the anomalies that are uh, require trellium to uh, insulate your ship, and it's making go slowly mad. We've got the interplay between the The various Zindi species, this this setup, this arc, is just a high concept onion that you just peel apart and there's more high concept under it. It's just such an incredible combination that I just could not choose anything else as the number one pick. And I think the thing about the Zindi arc also is that it happened you know, just a little while after 9-11. 9-11 was a couple of years in the past. We were about six months into Iraq at this point. And it was sort of becoming clear that our reaction to 9-11 as a country was maybe not so high-minded and that we were going to go out there and get our pound of flesh and more. And it was very interesting to see that situation reflected on Enterprise. And, and no Star Trek show except for Enterprise could have done it. Everyone else was too high-minded, but, you know, um, um, the characters on Enterprise made some mistakes along the way and found a peaceful way, just barely, to resolve the situation without resorting to outright revenge. I think that the Zindi arc, maybe, you know, when we talk about Star Trek, we talk about has it stood the test of time well, and I think maybe the Zindi arc has not, but it was perfect for the time it was in, and it was so important at that time.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I was just about to say, I love that you picked this in the because I think it totally stands the test of time. I think it's that the front end of, of this, uh, new age of uh, this new golden age of television with this season long story arc. And I really think they did a great job with it for all the reasons you just said, peeling that onion back, just one thing after another. And I really do think it's underrated and, uh, Definitely stands the test of time. How about you, Jen? What's your What's your take on the Zindi arc? And
0: uh, I agree. I think it stands the test of time. I enjoy the Zindi arc. I actually had uh, a cheat on my secondary systems list, which was uh, the Zindi as a species.
1: Oh yes. Okay.
0: I what an amazing high concept that these six different sentient beings evolved on this planet and and how different they are and one of the things i enjoyed watching the zindi arc was anytime they would be in that council room the zindi council and you'd have you know this giant insect talking to this giant reptile with the um the aquatics in the tank and 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 how interesting that was uh, how i i enjoyed exploring that and i wish we could could have seen a little bit more I, i like to think about how what it would look like if, if there was an if that happened on earth, you know, and you'd have, you know, humans and chimpanzees and dolphins and, you know, whatever kind of insect that's intelligent. I don't know <laughs> what, like all, you know, in a council and it's, it's just, it's just such a unique concept. And, and then that there's, that they weren't united, there was factions and this species was mad at this species that I thought was really interesting.
1: I, I love that you cheated on your secondary systems with (laughs) the zindi and adam cheated on his number one pick with the zindi arc because i love season three i love the zindi and i think uh it's totally worthy of this topic so jen let's jump into your number one pick which i think we might know what it is i'm just going to cue this up right now
0: (laughs) you're right uh my five words and hashtag though are bravery sacrifice destiny humanity love Hashtag Earth Earth Needs Enterprise, Enterprise Needs Trip Season 3, Episode 10, Similitude
1: (laughs) Who's who's got goosebumps? I do
0: What more can I say? I mean, just outstanding acting Interesting, you know, high concept
3: I'm sorry I doubted you, Doc No need to apologize You're serious See, I don't just remember Trip's childhood I remember mine. You made a damn good father. You were a damn good son. You said to me once that commanding a starship was what you were meant to do. I guess this is what I was meant to do. Good luck, Captain.
0: One of the interesting things is, again, this is... Enterprise is different than the other Trek series. I, I, every Trek series is different, right. but both Flox and Archer do things that I don't necessarily think other captains and doctors would. Trip gets injured, and right away, Fox is like, "Well, you know, I got this, you know, blank cartridge larvae or whatever in in, in the back here. I can make a <laughs> I can make a you know clone if you want." And Archer, pretty much right away, you know, he has. There's that scene in his writing room with Zapal and, and she's like, "Have you given more thought to?" You know, Doctor Flox's suggestion. He's like, "Oh yeah, you know, I, I approved that hours ago." You know, <laughs> like, I, I think there would have been a lot more soul searching going on. Um, you know, part of that is is like you said. At this point, he's just so desperate. Like everything's going wrong, and and Trip is also his best friend. You know, can't ignore that factor. And I think I think that part of of Trip being his best friend um, makes his interactions with Sim all that more poignant too because he's kind of talking to Trip and and it's just yeah. I wonder how different this would be if it wasn't Trip which is an interesting another interesting thing to think about
1: Yeah. A good thing to call out too is that again the high concept conceit of where the kids growing up with their trips growing up with the mem- Sims growing up with the memories yes. of trip. Yes. And that was super cool when they revealed that. It's like, yeah. okay, that's kind of creepy.
0: And yeah, it's so creepy. And it, and I don't know if that makes it harder or easier. I think it makes it harder because
1: <laughs> harder, harder, but also yeah.
0: he, he's also lived a fuller life than Sim without trips, memories would have, you know, cause he, he remembers yeah. all that. And that's interesting too, as far as like, if, since we're talking about, you know, like high concept sci-fi that, um, I think this is about when when all that research was coming out about DNA and about how DNA does have some mimetic, not not obviously to this extent, but right like, of course, like if it, uh, like you know the, the example that I, I I enjoyed reading was you know like I'm cheap because my grandmother lived through the Great Depression you know what I mean and I like inherited that cheapness you know what I mean like that that. Those sort of characteristics, or, or like you know, diseases that your grandparents have, you know, your the DNA remembers those, you know, th- things like that. And and I thought uh, this is a really nice, a neat extension of that. And it and it was it added a lot to uh to the, the ending, the sadness of the ending.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: you know, that's awesome. I also I forgot to mention it before, but just one minor a minor moment in this episode, which I absolutely love. Um, so Trip is doing this experiment on. The warp reactor where he's gonna compress the antimatter stream and put it in there, which by the way is what he learned how to do from the Vician engineer in Cogenitor. Yes. And so the experiment is working for just a second, and the warp reactor starts to go wom, 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 oh, wom, like the Enterprise D's
1: lithium yeah. crystal chamber.
2: And Trip just goes, That's a beautiful sound.
0: Oh, that's a <laughs> I great love that moment. moment.
1: All right, well, let's close it out with another season three Zindi ah. choice in the Zindi arc. So, my number one pick, my five words in a hashtag: mysterious distortion and spheres introduced. Hashtag Cochrane equation not constant. And this episode is a bit—it's a bit underrated. It's uh, anomaly from season three, episode two. It's top fifteen for me at Trek ranks. And honestly, it's one of my favorite sci-fi conceits ever. I love this episode when it first aired and they introduced the the spheres. And I I, I said, I I find it hugely underrated. I love the beginning where the distortions are kind of rolling through the ship. Archer's coffee's up in the air, the food in the mess halls flying around. And at the end, when they figure out, kind of, they get get, uh, jumped. The, The part where they get jumped by the, by the, Osarians who steal their technology and run away is not not necessarily high concept, but the conclusion here, where they figure out how to chase them down, they disappear, they find their way into the into this subspace area and discover the spheres. I just I love that moment. I love what it sets up for the whole season, which is similar to to your pick, Adam with uh, with the Zindi arc and. I like what you said, creating this this onion that you are just peeling back all season, and the mystery of the Zindi and the the Sphere Builders. I just love that moment, and I love this episode. It's a, it's one of Mike Sussman's, and one of my one of my favorites. So I, I, right away, I thought this was going to be near the top for me, and it ended up being my number one. So I am curious what you guys think of this one because it's definitely a little bit of a off the beaten track, deep cut pick,
2: uh, Adam. I never knew that this was underrated. I thought this was one of the best episodes of season three. I've felt that when I watched it. I mean, I remember going into season three of Enterprise and seeing the first episode of the Zindi and just being, you know, a little underwhelmed and then coming back and having this Sphere episode yeah. and and just feeling like, oh, wow, there is way more to this season than just we've got to find these guys before they launch an attack and destroy our planet.
1: Yeah. Same. A lot more going on here. So yeah, I love this one. I had the exact same feeling. And I don't know, maybe it's not underrated. Jim, what's your take on it?
0: Yeah. I didn't know this was underrated either. This is a wonderful episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's probably not. I'm probably wrong, but I never hear it mentioned. Like when people are talking about favorite episodes and for me, I have it at number 11, which is pretty high. So but maybe I'm just uh, saying people don't have it quite as high as I do, but uh yeah Jen go ahead
0: yeah there's, and there's you know there's interesting I really like the visuals with the the warping of the you know floors and everything, and then it's scary yeah. how the when when the person dies like how you know the what it does <laughs> to distortion you, yeah. the distortion yeah it's 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 creepy visuals um it's, uh, it's to me the standout in this episode is is uh trip,
1: yep, um
0: yep. having the you know to rewrite the Cochrane equation on the fly. And, you know, it's just the beginning of his like horrible engineering problems that he has to solve in this crazy weird layer of outer space that they're in. And it's just, it's just, it's just so, it's endlessly fascinating to me. Agreed. He's got the hardest job in, in Starfleet.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I love that. It just sets up everything. And and again, I'll say it the, the way you talked about Adam with the, the onion being peeled back for the whole season. So I love it. All right, let's let's uh, let's jump into some quick secondary systems picks. I had uh, three or four that you guys already mentioned. So Adam, what, uh, what was on your list? Anything you want to rattle off? Uh,
2: yeah, well, an episode that I rediscovered that I didn't remember at all and I really liked is The Catwalk. Oh, yeah. Where they all have to hide in the in the warp nacelles. Yep. I love this one because a lot of times in Enterprise they're doing like the first – you know, the first time they did such and such, but this time they're doing something that like never would have been done on any of the other series because they would have had shields that could have protected them from this. And it's really uh shows how fly by the seat of your pants. They are. And then, um, sweeps week of or uh, November sweeps month. Remember what that was when they would have, yep. they would trot out their best stuff yep. for the month of November um, for season three, it was Twilight, North Star, Similitude, and Carpenter Street. So I picked Twilight, but the other three are definitely secondary systems. I love it. Very surprised nobody mentioned North Star.
1: Well, I was going to say I have uh, that's that's definitely I, I kind of when I do my secondary systems, I sometimes list my two toughest cuts, and that was definitely North Star because it's one of my it's one of my comfort food picks from very early in Trek ranks. And another one of my favorites is Stormfront, because it doesn't yes. get any more high concept than Space Nazis. <laughs> that was that was on my list, as was e Square. Oh, yeah, me too, as well. So, Jen, how about you? What, what else was on your list?
0: Yeah, we mentioned a lot of mine. Uh, I had Cogenitor and Observer Effect and Twilight. But I'm surprised nobody mentioned Carbon Creek. Oh yeah, it was a hard hard cut for me, honestly. I didn't
1: I didn't think of that, but it is high uh, concept in terms of the yep. structure and how they tell it. I mean, it's a. I did
2: think of that, but it was one of my picks for the underappreciated oh, episodes, and okay. so I thought I would just, or for, for the for the Love
1: episode. Actually. That's great.
0: Um, and then I also had um also had the Crossing.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, which I, which okay. I found
0: interesting because there's the different twists of the aliens weren't trying to hide what they were doing. <laughs> like there was no right. mystery it was like hey i you know we uh you know i'm in I'm interest yep. body this is pretty cool you humans are pretty awesome <laughs> you know what i mean instead of like you know there being some kind of a mystery what's going on and why is trip acting weird and you know there wasn't anything in that. so I, I thought that was interesting right, right. from a high concept perspective and also uh singularity
1: oh yeah another was, one was interesting to me.
0: Two. they all went crazy except for to paul <laughs> and got obsessed with different things and
1: Get Archer's chair fixed.
0: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, souping up Archer's chair in ridiculous ways and the, and the read alert, you know,
1: Oh yeah, the read alert is fantastic. (laughs) All right. I had a couple more. I had regeneration. I thought, I think we'll get a lot of submissions for regeneration. Yeah.
2: I just rewatched that for the first time, uh, getting ready for this show, and that is not as bad as I thought
1: it
0: was. I had the same. No,
1: the way it reconceptualizes First Contact is smart.
0: I remember disliking it, but on the rewatch, I was like, oh, this actually is pretty good. How <laughs> They work around, you know, pretty clever how they work around, um, you know, continuity.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, well, it clearly happens in a different <laughs> timeline from... Uh,
1: <laughs> <No>. Okay. <laughs> By the way, Adam has the best timeline breakdown of star trek anyone has ever written totally tongue-in-cheek you you really need to get that published somewhere man. we won't don't have we don't have time for it today but some other time all right i have two more one was affliction and divergence Mm -hmm. i think are worth mentioning because it's pretty high concept to explain why klingons look like humans in in tos and my last one i'm not sure it's high concept but giving them a shout out because they got zombies into star trek (laughs) with impulse
0: zombies. which
1: is <laughs> I mean Star Trek is a show where you can tell any story in any kind of genre except maybe zombies but they found a way it's a spectacular episode I love impulse all right so many great Enterprise episodes I knew we'd have a great discussion but now we're going to move into our regeneration cycle and wind this episode down
0: Computer, activate regeneration cycle. Alcoves beta and gamma.
1: All right, let's go through a quick breakdown of our picks again, then I'll rattle off some stats. So, Adam, break down uh, your, your top five.
2: Okay, number five was The Communicator. Number four, Cogenitor. Number three, Observer Effect. Number two, Twilight. And
1: number one, The Whole Darn India. <laughs> You cheater. I love it. (laughs) All right, Jen, how about you?
0: Okay, number five, Dead Stop. Number four, Shockwave Part 2. Number three, Doctor's Orders. Number two, Stratagem. And number one, Similitude.
1: Awesome list. And my top five was Dear Doctor. Number four was Dead Stop. Number three, Observer Effect. Number two, Similitude, and number one, Anomaly. So if we break down the stats, we had one episode from season one, two from season four. Both of those were Observer Effect. And we had five from season two, so that's uh, that's a lot. And six from season three, plus the asterisk of the entire season being picked by Adam and we had three duplicates today. I thought we might have some duplicates with only four seasons to choose from from Enterprise. So let's give uh, the Defiant another shout out. Okay, guys, anyone having a feeling of deja vu? Or as Worf would say, Nipah? Because guess what? We've entered a temporal causality loop again. So before we can depart, it's time to hear from you.
3: Enterprise has been caught up in a temporal causality loop, and I suspect that something
1: similar may have happened to you. This week, we're jumping back to episode 25 and our top five space battles to get us through this temporal causality loop. That episode was a super fun one. We had our good friends, the the Trek geeks on, and as per usual, our listeners did not let us down in terms of feedback. We got a ton of cool, deep cut picks for, for that topic. So because we got a lot of feedback, uh, a lot of the feedback was similar, actually. So we did have, like, a lot of votes for the Mutara Nebula battle. And Balance of Terror got a lot of votes, which was cool. That was on my list. We had the DS9 battles in the Way of the Warrior and Sacrifice of Angels and Tears of the Prophets. But I wanted to highlight three or four of my favorite picks that were just deep cut, deep cut picks. And I, I can't even believe I'm doing this, Adam, but yours is number one on the list. <laughs> I, I made this, this list before I was going to even know what this show was so first up is adam huno on twitter and i'm pretty sure you're the only one that picked the prefix code battle from the wrath of khan totally the best one i know it was so great it was such a great pick i uh i love that one another great deep cut was from phil stalker on twitter who chose the death of core from once more under the breach in oh, wow. dspace nine I absolutely love that pick because that's a great one. Yeah, it it couldn't have been any cooler. The the special effects in that is amazing. And then Brian Harrington, who is at uh, CelticMan50 on Twitter, he chose the founders, kicking some serious butt on the combined Obsidian Order and Shiar fleet in the Dias cast, Mm -hmm. which is a cool pick. And then we also had Chris at Shelf Nerds. We'll close out this week's Temple Causality Loop. He chose Azadi Prime with the good old NX-01. Was basically just getting blown out of the sky by, by the Zindi. Love that pick, too. Hey, you know what no one mentioned in the
2: episode and nobody mentioned it here? Yesterday's Enterprise.
1: Oh, yeah. That is a great one. I don't think we got any Yesterday's Enterprise picks. That's a classic. Well, that's the beauty of Trek Ranks. The, the lists just keep going and you never cover it all. All right. That was a fun show. And as always, just want to thank everyone for continuing to, to respond to Trek Ranks. And we love getting all your, your feedback and picks. So keep those lists coming to at Trek Ranks so we can retweet them. But also we want to hear from you too. So put together your own list of top five high concept enterprise episodes. Give us a call. Tell us your list. You can call us at 609-512-5527 at 609-512-LLAP. So hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks. And on the next episode of Trek Ranks, we have got a great, fun topic for you. We're doing our top five Trek divas. (laughs) Yep, this one's going to be fun. uh, I'm hopefully... I, I'm hoping it's going to be a really campy show because we're going to be good. We're going to be joined by our good friend, Adam Drozen, who was with us previously for the top five food moments where we originated the soup round early on in, in Trek rank. So I think it's going to be an awesome episode. So Adam and Jen, anything jumping out at you guys right away that you would immediately include on your top five Trek divas list? Adam?
2: Now, are we are we just talking about, like, Actual singers or
1: just people who act like divas? However you want to define a diva. Grand
0: is yeah. sick. Oh,
1: fantastic. <laughs> he is such a diva. Such a diva. That is such a great pick. Adam, what do you got? Uh,
2: well, I'm going to have to go with General Trelane, retired.
1: Oh, oh Trelane is also a, good one. a major diva. <laughs> this show is going to be fun, so... All right. So before we wrap it up, a huge thanks to Adam Uno and to Jen Tift Works, two very awesome guests who know their Trek. Thanks, guys. Hope you had fun. Any any final thoughts here before we, uh, before, we before we close out? Well, if if Drosen
2: doesn't want to do the diva episode, have us back.
0: Seriously, yeah, <laughs> we got this.
1: <laughs> oh. You, well, obviously you guys, you guys would kill it with Grand Vegas, Zack And Trelane, I didn't even think of yet. I've been working on my list already and I did not have either one of those on there. I love it. All right, Jen, it was great having you. We're definitely going to have you back and keep those lists coming because your, your picks are awesome.
0: Thank you so much. I had a wonderful time. It was so much fun.
1: All right. Anytime. So did we. And thanks again, everyone, for engaging with us here on episode 27 of the Trek Ranks podcast. As always, I want to close by saying I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong.
0: Engage, monitor.
1: Come to Quark's crush. Come right now. Don't walk.
3: Run. (laughs) Oh, I love the part where my name rotates around.
2: Hi there, thanks again for listening. If you're cruising the galaxy looking for even more Trek talk, why not visit our good friends Bill and Dan over at TrekGeeks.com? They've got a great podcast that covers a wide range of Star Trek topics, so you're sure to find something you'll love. And if you're in the mood for some awesome tunes, then you really need to head over to 5 The guys are writing a song for every episode of the original series, and each one is absolutely brilliant. So that's TrekGeeks.com and FiveYearMission.net. Check them out today.
3: When I was in my early twenties on a trip to East Africa, I saw a gazelle giving birth. It was truly amazing. Within minutes the baby was standing up, standing up on its own. A few more minutes and it was walking and before I knew it, it was running alongside its mother, moving away with the herd. Humans aren't like that, Ambassador. We may come from the same planet as those gazelles, but we're pretty much helpless when we're born. It takes us months before we're able to crawl, almost a full year before we can walk. Our deep space mission isn't much different. We're going to stumble, make mistakes, I'm sure more than a few before we find our footing. But we're going to learn from those mistakes. That's what being human is all about. I'm sorry you can't see that.